0: did terrible on the finances for both businesses, terrible.
1: This week on The F Word.
0: And oh my gosh, I drove that thing into the ground. I feel so bad.
1: Nehemiah Frank, the founder and executive editor of the Black Wall Street Times.
0: I have felt at times that I was going to burn out.
1: Representation is a founding principle of pure American journalism. Two years ago, Nehemiah Frank saw a need for better media representation in the North Tulsa community. So he created the Black Wall Street Times. It's an online publication that highlights the key news, events, and stories that make up the heartbeat of Tulsa's African-American community. And it's rapidly growing, gaining more and more readers and supporters every day. Today, we're gonna talk about how Nehemiah got it off the ground while balancing the demands of being a teacher and the owner of other businesses, and without a background in journalism. It's a great story. Nehemiah, thanks for being here.
0: Well, thank you for inviting me.
1: Most entrepreneurial stories start with someone seeing a problem and then having this deep conviction that they have the solution to make it better. And I know that's the case for you. What was the problem you saw and how did you seek to use Black Wall Street Times to make that better.
0: Yeah, so I saw this void um, in our community, in, in the Black community, and um, a lot of millennials were not reading the Oklahoma Eagle, and um, a lot of millennials were, you know it seems like we kind of grew up in this era where, you know, recycling is good and we don't want to waste paper. So why would we buy a newspaper? Because that's wasting paper. And, um, you know, so a lot of us, you know, tend to stay away from, you know, print. We we get our, our uh, news on, you know, social media or digitally, you know, by descriptions. And so um, that was pretty much the void that I wanted to fill was that these millennials were not connected to you know, the news that was going on in Tulsa's African American community.
1: For those who aren't familiar, what is The Eagle? So,
0: The Eagle is an um, historic African American commun- uh, newspaper, and it's been in the community um, before 1921, I believe. Yeah. Wow, it's been, it's been around, around a while. for a long
1: time. Is it based out of Tulsa or Oklahoma City?
0: Uh, it's based out of Tulsa in Greenwood.
1: So, you saw that they were focusing on print and you wanted to focus on the digital side.
0: Right, and then so another downside to print, it's expensive. And so um, The Eagle only comes out every Sunday and I'm like, man, we need news every day. Like, you know, things are constantly taking place and two or three days later, it's gonna be old news. And so I figured the Black Wall Street Times was the best way to keep up with the times and what's going on in Tulsa.
1: So how did it spark? What was the moment when you said, I need to do this. I'm going to do this. Let's do it.
0: Hmm. What was the spark? Well, there's a bunch of sparks. And then I just kind of, you know, gathered them all together and decided, you know what, maybe this should happen. Um, I remember I had a friend in college um, at OSU and we were on the bus together. And my friend was having a difficult time trying to break into uh, the media world as a journalist. He actually had a journalism degree. And so he, you know, he was like, man, I'm going to have to leave Tulsa. And I'm like, oh, man, we need to stay here. Like, we need brain power in Tulsa. We can't have it be, you know, this continuum uh, brain drain taking place. Um, and so anyways, he just kind of went off and did his own thing and— um, that was one of, that, I would say that was one of the sparks. Another spark was when, um, you know, not to be you know controversial, but when Terrence, you know, was shot and it was like, oh man, you know, the media demonized him. Not every media company did that, but it definitely seemed like a few media companies were, you know, demonizing him as, you know, this criminal thug and bad dude. And it's like, this guy was a father, he, um, was a student, he was trying to make his life better. No one is perfect. We all have our, our secrets and you know things that we do or deal with. Um, and I think that every person on the planet has some degree of mental health issues that they're dealing with, um, whether it's publicly visible or not. Um, and I think that um, I wanted to help control the narrative. And so I would say that was another jumping off point where I was like maybe we should start because of that. But at that time I hadn't even started the website. It was just like a thought like maybe I should do this because you know we would be able to be louder. And there were situations with like the school board and you know other issues that I had thought about um and I noticed that they weren't really getting a lot of attention like um the the way the schools are in North Tulsa like the performance it's it's just not where it should be, where I know we could be as, you know, as a society.
1: So what pushed you from maybe I should do this to I'm building a website, I'm going for it.
0: Right, so um, I had started businesses before, they all failed. Um, oh yeah, I wanna talk about that later. Yeah, <laughs> But my grandfather, um, he was an entrepreneur and actually he is probably responsible for building a lot of the Mason work that we see in North Tulsa, and um, he that's owned cool. Frank Builders, and so like a lot of the um, the the bricks on the Greenwood Culture Center, my uh, uncles and my grandfather and some of the women too um, laid the brickwork for that, and some of the brickwork that we see on um, the new buildings down on Greenwood now.
1: Wow, that's cool. Yeah. so you felt like his spirit was kind of. In you me. driving yeah. you to do it.
0: And so my aunt, you know, she used to own um, a, tos- a tuxedo, et cetera, um, out north. And so a lot of folks were going to get their, you know, their prom stuff there. And uh, my grandfather actually still, my other grandfather um, on my dad's side, still owns Beard's Body Shop on Denver.
1: So that entrepreneurial spirit's like in your DNA. Yeah, I was like, I'm just
0: going to do it. You know, if it fails, whatever. But um, I remember my friend Mikhail had told me when I told him about this idea and I started building the website, he's like, do you understand that you're standing in front of a waterfall? And I'm like, what are you talking about? What do you mean a waterfall? Like, this is just going to be this little tiny, you know, thing, you know, here in Tulsa just for us. Um, you know, but little did I know it was going to be something that was going to take on a spirit of its own. So
1: I love that. So you launched in early 2017, which means you've been up for about two and a half years, mm-hmm. still a little earlier right. on. How did the launch go? Tell me about the launch, how it, how it went logistically and how it was received. Uh, the
0: launch was slow and quiet. <laughs> Sometimes that's
1: good. <laughs> right. Yeah.
0: It was slow and it was very quiet. And, um, I remember, uh, President Trump had just been inaugurated, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, I'm just you know, and I just kind of took out my frustrations in my first post. It was terrible, oh my God, that first post like, <laughs> I should go back and read it today. I'm probably oh Jesus take bad. that down <laughs> yeah, hide that immediately um, but I was wet behind the ears for sure um i didn't know what I was doing, I just knew that um I wasn't defeated because I could see, like, this could be something really cool. I don't know what it's going to be yet, but I'm just getting started. And we'll see, you know, where the cards fall.
1: And you don't have formal journalistic training. Like, your degree's in political science? Political science. And actually, I got
0: some slack for that, too. Like, you're not even a real journalist. Folks were, you know, saying that type of stuff.
1: Yeah. So how did you learn those skills and how did you come up to speed on that?
0: I just read a lot of books and I read a lot of articles and studied how, um, how the articles were kind of, you know, mapped out, and that helped a lot.
1: Once you started pushing content out, how was it received? Did you start to hear a murmur either from the black community or the white community, or what did that look like at first, the response to what you were pushing out?
0: Hmm. Well, the first few articles, um, they were like political blogs. But the first like actual article article I did on um, my friend um, Charity Marcus's daughter, um, who is oh, a, a gymnast, a right? gymnast, She's and she phenomenal. is phenomenal. And so um, I actually I used to give her private lessons, but this is before she became good. So I was just <laughs> like that little coach. <laughs> that I, foundation. I, <laughs> I do not want to take her coach's credit, you know, or her mom's dedication to making sure she goes to her lessons. Um, but I had did an article on her and oh my gosh, people were like, oh wow, this is like really cool. That's That was like the first big article that came out was, you know, this little girl in Tulsa doing gymnastics following her dreams. And, you know, it just kind of started to expand from there. And then the next article, I think, um, I want to say Charity wrote this article about, um, she wrote two articles, two really good ones. One was, one was about um, the whole Greenwood Chamber situation, which was, um, you know i don't know if you know that they split mm-hmm. and so um, yeah, she had wrote into greenwood chamber yes, and blackwall street chamber. right and so yeah. she had started you know, she had put together this this piece about that. And oh, people were just so interested in what was going on with that. And people wanted the black perspective, like, well, what we know what Tulsa World and all of these other media outlets are saying, but what are our people saying about this? Mm-hmm. And so she did a really good piece there. And then um, there was another piece that she did. Oh, yeah. So it was about um, entrepreneurship and the opportunities that are here for all Tulsans, including black Tulsans, you know, um, I think there is this misperception that Tulsa doesn't want to offer everybody something. And here's the thing, it does. Mm-hmm. You know, there are, there are resources here. It doesn't matter what your race is. It doesn't matter um, how old you are. You know, as long as you have the discipline and you have a plan and you want to fulfill it, people will help you get to where you want to be at. So this is Rose Washington's organization um, and they offer, they offer like loans to, to you know, EDC. yes, that's mm-hmm. it. And so, um, she wrote an article about that. Oh my gosh. It really opened a lot of doors for folks. And that was a pretty big piece too. Yeah. At the very beginning.
1: You're informing people who wouldn't have known yeah, otherwise.
0: Absolutely. their resources here, you know, that's huge. it's huge. And the person that's over it, you know, is a woman of color, a woman of color. So she's going to be, you know, she's going to be your ally.
1: Mm. So speaking on content more, the content on your website, I was looking through it and it ranges from serious topics like politics and government and policing all the way to features on art galleries and cool high school students. Yeah. Can you talk about your method for curating content? Do you have like set percentages you wanna hit or like how do you know what will serve your community best and what you want to feature on this publication. So
0: going back to that first article, I don't know, Charity doesn't even really know how much she actually helped jumpstart the Black Wall Street Times. Um, I noticed how much that article that I wrote about her daughter, how much traffic it got. And so I was like, you know, people don't want to just be boggled down with reading politics. People don't want to just be boggled down with criminal justice stuff because it's a lot of that is negative. And so people want to see positive stuff like, you know, little kids winning gymnastics meets and a kid going to Washington, D.C. and competing in a national debate from North Tulsa, you know, and so that just I want to I want to have that that range uh, where you can go and get what you need out of the Black Wall Street Times. That's one of the reasons why. Although it says the black Wall Street Times, we're millennials. We grew up in this integrated society. You know, we're not as scared of one another as our parents' generation or our grandparents' generation was. Um, And so the content that Nate's putting out, the content that um, Joshua, you know, is putting out. um, And these are just two white folks. They're bringing perspective. And the coolest thing about it is, is like they're pulling the or pulling in, you know, white folks who otherwise would have been like, I am never going. You know, I'm not going to mm. go into that world because I might get called out, even though I have good intentions. You know, it's it's giving them the space where they could secretly go in and see what other white people are thinking. <laughs> and I I love. It. I think that's you probably got some one of the journalism. Yeah, it's like team. the biggest success of the Black Wall Street Times is like this is the Black Wall Street in the 21st century. Mm. Everybody has a voice.
1: So with your diverse content, you have. Have you had any local news outlets, more mainstream outlets, reach out to you and want to partner or come alongside you and elevate your brand at all?
0: Yes, I would I would definitely say so. I would say the Tulsa world has been, you know, a big ally of the Black Wall Street Times. And I thought that that would never, I didn't think that would happen. Um, and so now I sit on their community advisory board. And then... Um, the Eagle and I, we're going to work something out because, so the, we do have an issue. Our issue is, is like, we want to reach an older generation, but we don't print. And so, the Eagle prints, so we're gonna actually start having some of our articles featured in the Oklahoma Eagle, and the Eagle's gonna start having some of its articles featured in the Black Wall Street Times, that way we can kind of bridge the gap between the millennials and the uh, latter generations.
1: And you don't feel competition nope, with them?
0: not even close.
1: You mentioned this earlier, and I want to talk more about it. You had multiple businesses before you yeah. started Black Wall Street Times. And in your own words, they all failed. Right. Can you talk about those businesses and what you learned in that season that prepared you to be in the business you're in now? Because I think a lot of entrepreneurs might hate like admitting failure, taking defeat from a business that's just not working. Right. Right. And so what, how did that serve you to go through those failures now?
0: Um, I would definitely say that I learned that you have to have the discipline to keep pushing. What were the
1: businesses you had? Um,
0: so I used to own um, a business in Las Vegas called Cheer Nation. And I actually bought that business from a friend of mine's. And oh, my gosh, I drove that thing into the ground. I feel so bad. But, you know, it was a learning experience. And the thing is, is I think that that business was just too big for me to run, and I was just too young and inexperienced that I had no business running that business.
1: It was a cheerleading
0: yeah. And so uh, I remember the rent was like $15,000 a month. I think that's how much what it was. No, maybe it was 11,000, I don't know. It was some high number like that. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. Like, I don't have any business, you know, running this big business like this. There's just too many responsibilities. So, you know, that didn't work out. I sold the company to another uh, cheer company and they ended up taking all those kids, which is great. Um, And so the second company that I owned was um, this little business called Tumble Time. And so what I really wanted to do with Tumble Time, and I still might do something with it, is um
1: it's a true entrepreneur like never totally shut the door (laughs) right I'm
0: like that might not shut the door to that yet um was half like a little after school program you know for kids um in Tulsa to be able to do like you know little gymnastics and you know tumbling you know type of stuff like perhaps the kid wants to be a cheerleader when they get to middle school or something and so we uh my friend and I we bought this huge um blow-up track to where the kids could tumble down it. And it was so much fun. But here's the thing. Like, sometimes the school would, like, close early or something. And I guess the folks were like, oh, well, you guys were using the g- Or, like, the, the gym would be occupied. And they were like, well, you guys are going to have to be outside today. <laughs> and so it's like, do you know that it's still August? Or, like, you know, it's... Like September ladies, it's, it's degrees hot. so outside. the track was getting <laughs> hot and all the little kids were like burning getting their hands burnt up and stuff so it was just like okay well this is not going to work out and I'm tired of rolling this thing up and putting it in a car and you know so
1: yeah what do you learn in those seasons um whether that's about managing people or managing finances I or think, business yeah. so Sorry. I
0: did terrible on the finances for both businesses terrible Like, I didn't know what, I didn't know how to budget anything, you know. Um, And then, you know, these last two years, I've really, I've really just been trying to like map out how am I going to bring in, you know, the type of money that will sustain the Black Wall Street Times.
1: I think a problem a lot of entrepreneurs face is feeling stretched thin, whether that's managing all the parts of their business or also trying to, work a full-time job while they're getting their business off the ground. You are a teacher, Mm -hmm. and this year you've been a co-principal of a school. Are there moments when you feel like you can't do all your jobs well? Like, how do you balance being a a great teacher and a journalist and running a business and being there for your kids?
0: Right, so I think you, you hit it on the head when you said, do it well. And so, because I'm committed to teaching, Um, But I'm also committed to ensuring that the community has what it has. Um, I had to forgive myself for, you know, the little mistakes that I would make. I knew that, like, you can't.
1: Mistakes like what?
0: Like, you know, just when it comes to, like, I might have a typo or something in the article, or I may not be able to make every event. And so I literally had to forgive myself for that, which sounds crazy, but it really helped. (laughs) Um, like I literally forgave myself for not being able to commit 100% because some people are like, oh, you can only be successful if you commit 100%. That means you have to drop every single thing that you're doing and just focus on this business. But that's not true. Like most people who are successful business owners, they own multiple businesses and they're able to keep up with multiple businesses. So you just find the right folks, the right team to help you out. And, um, you know, you can make it work.
1: How are you making it work?
0: Um, Nate. <laughs> <laughs> Nate Morris helps out a lot. Um, this year we're going to have an intern this summer, which is going to be very helpful. But um, having help and um, trying different things. Like the, I do have a limit when it comes to, well, I don't want to say it's a limit. It's more like an average When I'm writing, it's like, okay, it's got to be between 400 and 600 words or 400 or 800 words. And so if I'm feeling really tired that day, but something really needs to get out, I'm like, okay, this is a 400 word one, boom, 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 and then we're done. Put it out.
1: Do you feel like you're at a point where you need to say no to things or cut things out?
0: That was hard. Saying no was another tough lesson Um, because I have felt at times that I was going to burn out. I have felt like that before. Um, but I would always think about how much of an impact it's had already. And I'm like, I can't burn out. So I just started saying no. And sometimes when you say no, ooh, people get upset. Yeah. Yes, they get mad. Ooh. You think that, you know, they're there for a friendship, but they're really there to, you know, use your platform because they know that you have that social power. Yeah.
1: How do you handle that?
0: Um. I call a friend, <laughs> call a friend, say, look, I'm about to have an anxiety attack because such and such, such and such. Um, I don't handle it by myself, though. I see a therapist like once every three months. It's good to take care of, make sure you're taking care of your mental health. You know, that's important. And then I, ca- I talk to my friends because they really keep me grounded and say, hey, you know what? It's OK. I said, no, I've dealt with everything that you're dealing with. You're going to be OK.
1: Looking forward. We're only a couple years away from the centennial of the Tulsa Race Massacre. Mm -hmm. And I've heard a lot of murmuring that your publication is going to play a big role in how that is remembered and commemorated and talked about. Do you have any plans for the centennial? And what are you excited about around that?
0: Um, Well, I'm definitely excited about you know, being able to record history in the making. Um, and um, I'm humbled by this whole thing, really. I don't know, there's just so much, you know, just the w- just listening to you say what you just said, it's like, wow, that's, you know, it's a big deal. Um, I would say that the Black Wall Street Times isn't solely going to play a role in it because I definitely, you know, I'm always looking back at the eagle and bridging the past to the present. So I would say that both of us will play, you know, a big role together in presenting our narrative of 100 years since, you know, the worst massacre of black lives in America. As far as like the paper goes, I'm prepared to take it nationally. Like officially, naturally, like we already have people reading it from all over the place. But um, that year, probably in 2020, moving into 2021, is when we'll start to push for a more national audience. Yep.
1: Will it be a national audience or also national coverage taking? Contributions from all around the country. I would
0: probably, well, I would say, well, both really, national audience and taking uh, contributions from you know everywhere. Yeah. So
1: it won't be Tulsa-centric. You right, think it'll right. be more? hear the stories of Black America yes. rather than Black Tulsa.
0: Yes, that is that is where we're headed.
1: There's surely a lot of a lot more competition yeah, on the national level. There, there are is. a lot of very successful mm-hmm. Black publications. How do you plan to compete?
0: Um, well, I think. For one, you know, just the name alone, the Black Wall Street Times is very, it just reels you in. It's like, well, what is that? Everybody wants to be on Wall Street. Well, what is this Black Wall Street? Um, But, you know, the video blogging, that's something that is, or the vlogging, is becoming really popular. So, you know, we're definitely gonna amp that up. And I think because we have such a unique history here that that history alone is, you know, one of the things that will attract more people to what we're doing
1: yeah a lot of so. people don't know back in the 20s people came from all over yeah. to live in tulsa and build their lives right. here. black americans would come from the coast mm-hmm. to be in tulsa oklahoma because they knew this is where you could build a successful life right and be a part of a thriving community mm-hmm. so do you think that still resonates with people totally, around the country
0: totally and you know if you look across the country there are like little black wall streets everywhere and people will start oh this is you know black wall street barbershop in miami i'm like do you know that we're the original you know <laughs> um or um you know there's a black wall street row um in fort worth texas i went to orlando last year and did um a speech at um, rollins college and um, I remember, you know, they had their own little version of Black Wall Street. And so it's just, there's something about it. And I think also that, you know, because we talk about issues around race and police brutality, and we're always focused on the issues instead of like, you know, some TMZ thing where it's, so-and-so moved in front of so-and-so, and and -and so-and-so snapped her head, you know, and she was upset. Um, We're focused on things that actually affect black America.
1: Mm. Yeah. So the question we always end with is how would you encourage another entrepreneur who might be experiencing a failure or made a big mistake, how would you encourage them to keep pursuing these solutions to these problems?
0: Um, I would just say, don't be afraid to try. You know, I don't know what type of business they may have, so I can't give them any advice on exactly what it is they need to do. But um, I will encourage them to go to Barnes and Nobles or go to Amazon and get books about what you're, what you're doing. That, that helped me out a lot. I bought books about how to brand myself, how to uh, reach a larger audience with social media. And um, just how to put, the, put an article together. Like I bought books, you know, to help me. So and you can go to YouTube. Like there's, we are, we're living in such a transparent age where you can get the information that you need in order to be successful. If that's what you really want. Never give up. Have the discipline to, in the grit to sit down and just get it done. There's going to be times where you don't want to, you know, do something, but you have to push don't be afraid to get yourself out of your comfort zone.
1: It's good. Nehemiah, thank you so much for coming in to share your story and what you're working on. We wish you all the best of luck.
0: Well, thank you for inviting me. I really appreciate pre- appreciate you guys uh, lending your platform.
1: Next week on The F Word. And I want to see who I am without this big corporation. And do
0: I have the schutzpah to do my own business?
1: Muriel Farian, the artist behind Strawberry Shortcake and Care Bears, talks about the highs and lows that led her to entrepreneurship.
0: The F Word is brought to you by 36 Degrees North, Tulsa's base camp for entrepreneurs. To learn more about our workspace, community, and resources, visit 36n.co.